So Money, episode 807, David Nagel, founder of Life Is Now. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. As I changed my attitude, changed my perception, I saw the opportunity as something completely different and allowed my income to immediately go up. Making more is kind of a matter of the mind, our next guest believes. Welcome. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. David Nagel is the founder of the multi-million dollar global coaching company, Life Is Now. And through his work, David helps thousands of entrepreneurs gain the confidence they need to improve their money mindset to then reach radical financial success. David's beginning was a struggle. He is a high school dropout who had a near-death experience early on in his life, and it was truly a wake-up call like none other, he says, that felt like a second chance at not only his own life, but also helping others reach their greatest potential. Here is David Nagel. David Nagel, welcome to So Money. Hi, Farnoosh. How you doing? Glad to be here. Thank you. I'm really excited to connect with you. I've heard a lot of promising things. I mean, you're going to blow our mind basically in the next 30 minutes, uh, just setting the bar high because uh, <laughs> I feel like that's what you do with your clients. You know, you really raise the expectations there. Um, I'm really fascinated with how you help your clients transform their financial mindsets and their bank accounts, frankly. And I want to learn more from you and we all do. But before we get to the tactics and the strategies, I would love to just really explore your life a little bit. And it's no secret that in the run-up to transforming your own life, you had a near-death experience. And I know you've probably talked about this ad nauseum, but it's fascinating. You almost you almost didn't make it. And people were convinced you were not going to make it. And I always, it's rare that I get to meet somebody who's had that experience. And so forgive me, but I really would like to know, like in that moment, what was going through your mind? Wow. Um, Well, there were a lot of things going through my mind in the, in the actual moment itself. It went from um, pure um, shock and, just instinctively, because I got, I was in a river, I got separated from a boat and I got sucked through a dam. So when I came out the other side of the dam, the first thing was I did not realize how, how, how bad I had been injured physically. And I was just trying to get to shore. So I couldn't get to shore because the current was so strong and I was just going with the current. Unfortunately, there's another dam about two miles down the river and I needed to do something. So as I went around a, uh, an island, I grabbed onto this tree branch that was hanging over into the water really far. And when I grabbed onto that branch, I then had realized that I had shredded like all the skin off the palm of my hands. Um, I, uh, I saw that I was bleeding from various places on my body. I didn't know where all that was coming from, but I was, I was trying to just think through, 
um, you know, a trauma situation and what do I do, need to do one, two, three in order to survive. So once I got myself in a stable position because I strapped my life vest to this branch because I couldn't hold on anymore, um, I was I started like bargaining with God on the tree. You know, it, my life was flashing in front of my eyes for whatever reason. I realized at that moment that the bad situation that I had created for myself, which was basically not having the ability to fulfill my responsibilities as um, a young father and husband was because of poor decision making throughout my life. And I saw it as, you know, I don't know why I have not been able to get myself to do all these things that I should have done. And I said, you know, God, if you'll let me live today, I'll figure out why I didn't do that. And then I'll spend the rest of my my life teaching other people. So it's a weird thing to to go back and realize that that's what I was thinking about hanging from that branch. But the the realization that I had right after that was that, you know, I was 23 years old when that happened, that life is actually very short and we really don't know how long we're going to be here. So if we're going to do something, if we're going to make a change, uh, perhaps we should consider doing it now instead of pushing it off into the future, which was kind of the way that I was raised. Everything was pushed off into the future. Um, There was no immediacy in making a positive change uh, in anybody's life when I was when I was growing up. So that's where it all started. It's it started with that idea. Then the, my my mental focus became on what do I need to change? Um, how do I need to change it? And the process began from there. What was the first step in that process? What was the first thing you worked on changing? Well, the, actually, the first step in that process was becoming more frustrated because I did not understand how to make a change or even where to go for information. So this is prior to the Internet, prior to, you know, home computers. Um, I was working on a dock. I was working six and a half days a week. I was making twenty thousand dollars a year. Um, I was pretty darn exhausted. And it was after having just like a frustration meltdown one night on this dock that this voice in my head said, David, change your attitude. So it started with a mental change of attitude. And the way that I changed that was that I, I really evaluated myself based on the guy who started the company that I was working for. He had a similar background to me growing up and he had built a company that was making several hundred million a year. It was a food importer. Um, And I thought, what's the difference between him and I? And I noticed a couple of things right away, three things that were that that I changed. He loved what he did and I didn't. I hated it. So I started acting like I loved what I was doing. Um, He did everything. I figured he must have done everything to the best of his ability. I didn't even know what that was for myself. Uh, I was constantly being reprimanded for shoddy work, um, <laughs> various different things as far as the quality of work that I was doing. So I thought I'm going to do everything to, to the very best of my ability. And the third thing was that I noticed the way he treated people and regardless of who they were, where they came from or what he was doing, if he was in a situation to interact with somebody, like even even if he was walking past somebody on the dock, he would acknowledge them and he would say, hi, how's your day? Um, How's your family? That type of thing. And I was not 
at that time in my life, furniture, I was not treating people with respect because I was so angry at myself and the situation that I had got myself into. So I said, I'm going to change those three things. I'm going to change them for 12 months and see what happens. And in 30 days, my income tripled. And I thought to myself, I don't know how these two things are connected, but I need to find out. And because if I can figure out how they're connected, I could absolutely change anything. And I knew that it was something that I had done. I just wasn't sure what it was. Everybody else around me was saying that I got lucky, but I knew that it wasn't luck. I knew that it was it was something that I changed in who I was being as a person hmm. uh, that allowed that to happen. Strategically, did you ask for the money or we just arrived? And maybe that can parlay us into some of the strategy work. But I, I mean, I'm hearing you and you're saying three things. Love what you do, do be the best at it, or at least do the best you can at that thing that you love doing. And then be conscientious of how you're treating people, respect people. But there's nothing there that yet says to me, you know, do this strategic thing or, um, you know, here's a tip or here's like some actual action advice, actionable. This is all mental game right now. Um, where, when did you start to recognize that you were actually doing things that were strategic and action driven? Well, that, so that came, that came second to this after I began to study a little bit, what this changed though, was my perception. And it allowed me to see an opportunity that I recent that I had previously perceived as just too risky, something that I didn't want to do. And as I changed my attitude, it changed my perception. I saw the opportunity as something completely different and it allowed my income to immediately go up. So there is an actionable step there in the in the idea that one of the things that I teach people is that the opportunity for them to change their income to whatever they desire has to be around them all the time. They're just not perceiving it because of some way that they're looking at the world. But when I when I really started to change my income, when it went went from fifty thousand a year to fifty thousand a month, the actionable step there was to stop making it hard. And I was making it very difficult. And I remember I was working with my mentor at the time, and he said to me, um, it's easier to make 50000 a month than it is to make 50000 a year. And I was really looking at, you know, this is – somehow I'm making this difficult. If, if I was to make this as easy as possible, what would that actually look like? And um, that came to me. And then I began to change exactly what I was doing, which was I started charge instead of selling um, a lot of units of something, I decided to raise my prices and sell lower amounts at a higher dollar figure. And it allowed me to do and so I actually hit the goal in two weeks. Um, in the previous two months that I was trying to hit that goal, I was not moving anywhere. At the end of the month, I was the same place I was at the beginning of the month. So that stretch. Then once once I became aware of doing that, it then became the personal growth work that was required to be able to ask for a high, higher dollar amount for what it was that I was offering at the time. When did you and I and here you're talking about, I assume, like working for yourself and you made a transition from working for someone to working for yourself. How did that happen? And then when did you start actually helping others? 
Uh, that happened in uh, the um, late 1999, 98-99, and I uh, actually incorporated my company in 2000. It happened because I was working for a, corp- a corporation. I was studying and, and actually kind of coaching people on the side. Um, with their with with bit with various different businesses that they were in, and helping them become more successful, and then I decided that I wanted to do that uh, for myself. So somebody gave me an opportunity to be a facilitator uh, for them, and I took that on, and then I started my own seminar and speaking business. I love one of the things that you say, which is that uh, we often are raised to become. Um, someone that others expect us to become. We're taught to be who to be. We're taught to be who to be, right? In other words, I'm, and I'm probably this, these aren't your words. This is me, um, <laughs> uh, farnoushifying you, the David Nagel statement. <clears throat> but but that really, who you really are, rather than who you were taught to be. There's a big gap there, and that's a big shame. I'm a parent. I have two kids. Um, I feel like you know. It's a push pull because you want to sort of give them the tools so that they can live a, a fulfilling life, you know. But part of that is like you, they got to follow some rules. Where where do most parents go wrong, or where is the messaging really just screwed up? I think the me- the messaging is screwed up in what is behind the rules that they're being taught. Um, are they being taught rules that are based on universal cause and effect? Or are they be, are those rules being taught on how to keep them safe through their whole life? Because um, when what was a glaring for me as far as personal growth was that I was raised in a working class middle class environment, and the value systems uh, that we were taught in that environment were very different from entrepreneurs. And it was the, it was the letting go of those because they're all rooted in safety. And embracing something completely different to allow myself to be very successful, that was what's most difficult. So when we're teaching children, we have to ask ourselves, am I teaching them to be safe or am I actually teaching them to embrace and find out what is their individual purpose for being here and how to develop an attitude of that I won't settle for anything less than Uh, the best that I'm supposed to be. And that often means that the rules that we're conditioned with to grow up and work in a factory or for a corporation um, or just to be safe through our entire life. What I mean safe is I mean secure, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of realizing that it's okay to make mistakes. We're taught that we shouldn't make mistakes and, but we learn by mistakes. I mean, some of the greatest discoveries come from mistakes some of my greatest breakthroughs in life and increases in income came from mistakes. If I avoid that because that's what I was taught growing up and I was taught that, then I would still be on the dock driving a forklift today. Let's uh, talk about, I, but prior to meeting you, um, you've become so highly recommended. You got to have David Nagel on your podcast. You've helped so many people, including Jen Sincero, who's the number one New York Times bestselling author and been on this podcast, help people really transform their financial lives. And you have this sort of money mindset game or theory that you practice with your clients. I'd love for you to share that with us to the extent that you're willing, because, you know, a lot of us should work with you. And I'm actually here thinking, hmm, I need some more David Nagel in my life. Uh, but tell us a little about these, uh, 
these ways that we can improve our bottom line? Well, one of the first things that we have to realize is that whatever it is that we desire is already here. Um, And one of the biggest problems with the clients that I work with is they're coming from some kind of an internal money story. So most people are raised with the idea of setting a goal based on what they need. And they have a subconscious program that's controlling their finances. And it's all based on you shouldn't buy more than you need, spend more than you need, um, receive more than you need, use more than you need, because that's what we heard growing up. So there's not a lot of abundant thinking there. And then there's a worldview or a societal view that there's a lack, that there's a, that there's a, that there's a big limitation out there. And I don't come from that perspective. I come from this perspective that the universe is created in abundance and there's an abundance of everything. Um, and that everything is constantly moving in the direction of more life. So what does that mean for our finances? Well, if we, if we are tapping into what our individual purpose is for being here, that purpose is to add to the lives of other people. That's what all life in the universe does. It adds to the life of something else. So if we're, if we're doing that and the medium of trade that we're currently at in society and history is money, it's finance, um, then there must be an abundance of that because there's an abundance of people and there's an abundance of things from a a product and service standpoint that advance our lives moving forward. So if we get rid of the need story in our mind and we step into the idea of abundance, what we then need to work on is our own personal money story and our self-worth story to be able to receive the amount of money that that is required to live the life that we truly desire. And that's, and, and the whole idea is that it's already here. It's not a zero sum game by, by me selling more or charging more or providing more service out in the world. I'm adding to the lives of everybody because I do that. Every time I go buy something, I'm adding to the life of the person that I'm buying it from or the company that I'm buying it from. It's when we hold on to it and we don't allow it to circulate that it becomes stagnant. We end up with recessions and, you know, all that kind of um, those kind of problems that that happen. That's all created out of fear. But if we move out of fear and we move into the idea of abundance, then there's no limit to what, what it is that we can bring in for ourselves. So with my clients, one of a couple of things that, that we teach them is how to make a lot of money and how to do it really fast, because that was my experience. So it's all about changing the stories and then giving them the strategies, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> uh, changing the stories in their mind and giving them the strategies to go along with that in their business so that they can bring whatever amount they want in uh, at whatever speed that they want. And it sounds like your part of that is also how to make it easy. This is a, a theme of yours is part of your personal stories. Like if it's, if it's too hard, you're not doing it right. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. And uh, that's the problem that I had. So when I, earlier on the call, you were, we were talking about when I went to uh, 50 from 50,000 a year to 50,000 a month. The reason that I was struggling with that was because my, my paradigm, uh, my money story was that it had to be hard. So as I was, as I was writing down and trying to strategically figure out the goal, 
What I didn't understand was that back of that, my mind was looking at it from a way of having to make it hard. If we change that paradigm to easy, where we're saying to ourselves, okay, if that's a natural law of the universe to make things easy, what would this look like if it was easy? And then adopt the belief around that it can happen that way, take the action on it happening that way, we'll find that it does happen easy. And I, and I did that in my first month. I went over 50,000 in the first two weeks, and I never went backwards. Then I, went, then I immediately took it over a million because I realized, oh, the more you make, the easier it actually is. Um, and once you adopt that idea into your mind, you approach everything from how do we make this easy instead of how do, how do we make it difficult? Mm. And most people are walking around making everything in their life extremely difficult because it's a value system that's hundreds of years old uh, where we say we're not a good person unless we had to struggle. Right. And there's guilt associated with your life being too easy. Tremendous. Can anyone be rich, David? I'm sure you've encountered people who will say to you, well, this all sounds great, but you know what? I come from a very difficult life. I don't have an education or I'm not good at money or I, uh, I grew up poor or I don't, you know, I don't have the resources. I don't have the support. You know, I don't know. There's so many things people will say. And yes, we could say these are all excuses, but people could also say, I lost my job, you know, and I have student loans that are over a hundred thousand dollars and I'm, I'm drowning in debt and I'm sure you've heard it all. So what do you say to those people? Because I find that when when we start to talk about building wealth and pulling yourself out of hard situations to become financially independent, that it can get divisive, that people can get political as well and say, well, you know, uh, sometimes you're just, you know, there, there are people who have, people have privileges. And when you have access to resources, that's a privilege. And some people just don't have that. Yeah. So what I would say, number one, is that about 99% of the things that you mentioned is where I came from. I quit high school when I was 17 years old. I had no formal business or uh, no more no formal education. I was, um, I was in a difficult marriage. I got married very young and started having uh, children. I had a lot of debt. I went bankrupt uh, before I even started a business and had my car repossessed. Um, I did not come from any kind of wealth or education either. So there was no background history for me to, to, to go on there. I believe anybody can become wealthy if that's what they truly desire in their life. And I'll tell you something else. I have a, I have another worldview that I, I really totally believe in. Everybody on the planet has exactly the same amount of money. They're just not aware of it. And when they become aware of it, then they can bring it into their life. Because I've helped people that were completely, totally broke on the verge of being homeless become multimillionaires. And I've helped people that were doing really well um, expand where they were also and every, and every place in between. So it, it's – if you understand <clears> – <throat> I'm really sorry about that. If you really understand – how these laws work. I'm talking about universal principles that apply not just to ourselves, but money and commerce and business and everything that we do. And you start and you start thinking along those lines and then creating strategies along those lines. You're going to find that anybody can do it. Anybody can make it easy. The difficult part is the internal change that they have to make. Letting go of the old stories 
Um, a lot of those things that you talked about, you'll find are actually generational stories. They're not the mm-hmm. first person in their family to have those issues. So we, those things get passed on subconsciously and we repeat the problems that our parents had very often. But if we rewrite that story for ourselves, for we can have a completely different life. I completely agree. And I, I bring this up mainly because this is this is the stuff that I hear sometimes, especially, you know, when people want to demonstrate that they have empathy for others, like, oh, but you're forgetting all these other people over here who don't have what you were brought into the world with. And I get some people definitely have a running start. That's for sure in sure. life. But that doesn't mean that others don't have the opportunity or chance to start their own race. And um, thank you for for saying all of that. Uh, We uh, are asking our guests this month as we are heading into Thanksgiving, um, David, our sponsor is Chase Slate. And together we are asking guests, what is the piece of financial advice that you got in your life that you're most thankful for? Um, The piece of financial advice that I got in my life that I'm most thankful for is that that there's an abundance and that it's not wrong to be rich. Um, I had, I was raised with an idea that it was either really hard and you had to be really smart or you had to be uh, unethical in order to be wealthy. And those two things allowed me to break through and allow myself to accept wealth into my life. Prior to doing that, I was fighting a battle of guilt. Like, am I doing the right thing? And I really needed to know for certain. um, It's funny that I say that now, but I really needed to know then uh, if those things were true or if those things were false about, about the world and about, about wealth. And um, that that it totally, it, it made a total difference for me. And that there's an abundance that there's no shortage out there. The other one other thing, I know this is more than one, the money has to be around you right now in the form of an opportunity. That I think is the one thing that blew my mind more than anything. And I've never not in 20 years of helping people do this. I've never not seen it be there. So the, whatever it is that we desire, we are, um, we are resonating on a vibrational or a frequency level with the thing that we desire. That means that it has to be in our life. We're not seeing it because of the perception in which we're seeing from, which is based on some story. When that changes, we'll instantly see the opportunity and that opportunity allow that money to come in uh, like the snap of a finger. You also have to recognize what is an opportunity. Yes. Um, there is a saying that a lot of people miss opportunity because it looks like hard work and (laughs) they don't get that that's actually an opportunity. And yes, everything requires work. But so how do you teach your clients and how do you yourself identify what is an opportunity versus what is purely just work for work's sake? And maybe there isn't a reward in that. So that's a, that's a really great question. And, you know, in, in Think and Grow Rich, in Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich, he actually um, uh, talked about that. He called it the sly disguises of opportunity. And basically, he said the same thing that you're saying is it shows up as something we don't we don't think that we want. Hard work, an unfortunate experience, um, uh, misfortune in your life. And 
we see things different than they really are. We see them as we are, so to speak. So for me, one of the things that I teach my students is that there's four basic questions that you can ask yourself when an opportunity shows up to determine if it's the right opportunity for you and what it is that you're doing. And the first one is, is this something that I want to be, do, or have? The second one is, is being, doing, or having this going to take me closer to my goal or my life's purpose? You can basically use it for anything, goal, life, purpose, desire, whatever outcome you're looking for. The third one is being, doing, or having this in harmony with God's laws and the laws of the universe, meaning that it has to be in harmony with the law of more life. Is it going to add to my life and the lives of other people? And the fourth one is being, doing, or having this going to violate the rights of others. And the, the right that we're looking that we don't want to violate with other people is to take away their freedom of choice. So if you get three yeses and a no, that's all you need to know as far as the opportunity goes to make a decision and move forward on it. Once we make a decision, Farnoosh, everything that we need for the completion or the how uh, to get where we want to go begins to show up. You should see my my scratch paper right here. I have like all of these arrows and checklists and yeses and nos. My goodness, this has been t- 28 minutes. What's a, like, you know, a six month coaching program with you? Like David Nagel, thank you so much for being on So Money. I'm going to leave us here because this is such a tease <laughs> for, okay. for everything that you offer, but really at the same time, so much value. I mean, you've given us some really hard things to think about, but also so much clarity and you've given us, at least me, um, a lot of hope. And I think that's a, a really amazing thing to have right now, especially yeah, it does. And when you know something, when you have hope, you have options. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. To learn more about David Nagel, visit davidnagel.com and it's spelled David, N-E-A-G-L-E.com. He's also on Twitter at David Nagel. If you missed any of this, just go to somoneypodcast.com and you can download the transcript and the audio and also leave me a question for our Friday episodes by clicking on Ask Farnoosh. Remember to subscribe to this show. You can do so on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and every platform in between. Looking forward to seeing you right back here on Wednesday when our guest will be New York Times bestselling author, Dan Shabell. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and I hope your day is so money.